You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another edition of Darth Amin's Rule of Two. I am your master, Darth Amin. That is my apprentice, Darth Horn Puzzle, aka Anthony Mays. Happy Sith Heritage Month. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it is that. Also, Sith Master Day is today. Yep. I know you love it when I call you that. Yep. <laughs> the show we're reviewing, of course, is Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 6, Tribe. And Mays, I gotta admit, I didn't think I'd be here. I didn't think I'd arrive at this place. Oh, no. I'm not enjoying this season. Wow. Six episodes in out of 16, huh? You're calling it. I'm not calling it. I'm just saying I'm not enjoying it so far. All right. We're not even halfway through, so there's a lot of opportunity. But what I liked about the first season was there felt some version of continuity in what was happening to them from Order 66 to going to Camino, to being on the run, having bounty hunters hunt down Omega. When I think about the other Star Wars shows that I enjoyed, the animated ones, I enjoyed Clone Wars because even though it wasn't one long, continuous story, they had story arcs that span three, four episodes at a time. Mm -hmm. Rebels, similarly... Not so much that, but there was an element of building off of things that had happened in prior episodes. Even though each episode was kind of sort of self-contained, there was things that were building throughout, usually leading up to the crescendo of the season, the end of the season. I'm not getting this vibe from this show. There's been no continuity. There's so little continuity maze that you could take any one of these episodes and put them in different order, and that would not have changed the story one bit, and that bothers me. I do like for there to be some feeling of a greater overarching arc that we're paying attention to, and I'm just not getting that, man. I won't lie. It kind of stings. It makes everything feel a little less valuable to me. I got a question. Uh huh. I wonder why they don't release more episodes at a time. Because they're pretty short, barely 30 minutes with all the credits and stuff. It's geared for a younger audience. Why don't they put up two a week or three a week? And I feel like that would reduce some of the problems that you're having because it would decrease the focus that you're putting on an individual episode. Right. I'm waiting a week to have nothing really happen. (laughs) In essence. Yeah. As opposed to like if I waited a week and I had two episodes of nothing happening it's not like this is a big spoiler show where they have to worry about something being revealed early before anybody else can see it you know what i think it's this way on purpose to cushion for if mandalorian doesn't launch when they said it launched because mm. you think about the last few shows they say, oh it's launching on this date and then they never launch on that date they have to get pushed back and so I'm thinking, because remember, we did the math. It's like 16 weeks. Wait a sec. That is going to take us into March, meaning we're going to be in a place in March where there's both Bad Batch episodes 
and Mandalorian season three episodes going on at the same time. So it's true filler. Yes. <laughs> it's filling the calendar. Exactly. Now, if Mandalorian gets set in stone, going to absolutely launch on that March date, then they can start going two at a time at some point towards the end of the season. And they've done that in the past where they'll start a season with multiple episodes and they'll end the season with multiple episodes with Rebels. They've done that in particular. But I guess let's talk about this episode. Again, I'm not going to go into too much detail because there's not enough Easter egg slash fitting into a larger picture that we have to explain. Pretty much if you're watching this, other than the things I'm going to point out, you're not missing much. What you see is basically what's happening. This was a little better than the last two, though. Yes, absolutely. There's some major callbacks here, Easter eggs, in terms of characters, of course, we'll get to. But also some overarching background knowledge you have to know. All right, so they're delivering forged chain codes to the Vanguard Axis, who is a gang that's notorious for smuggling, and apparently they're all droids, mm -hmm. which, again, in Star Wars, droids are kind of weird, man. There's a little bit of autonomy there, and then there's a little bit of, like, it's an appliance, and then there's a little bit of almost like a pet, or even maturity, right? You think of, like, R2, BB-8, and Chopper, they're almost like adolescents. They remind me of Groot. I am Groot. That age. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just hunks of robot, right? Doing calculations. Some of them are snide, like K2SO, or that weird one that wants to f Lando Calrissian. <laughs> Some of them are like C-3PO, just worry warts, which is, again, weird. You're a robot. Why are you worried? What could you possibly worry about? But these ones are smugglers. They want forged chain codes. Tech assures them that these are good, and they're going to fool the Empire. Now, if chain codes, if you remember... Were they introduced in Star Wars Clone Wars the last season? Or was it in Rebels? Turns out it was actually in the beginning of The Mandalorian was the first mention of a chain code. Basically, the chain code is your social security number, but with a lot more stuff linked to it. This is your identity, your galactic ID. In Bad Batch Season 1, they're introduced to the concept because as they're on one of these planets, you got the hologram news network report to your local da, 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 to get your chain code and exchange your credits for new imperial credits and in that episode they need to get chain codes to get off this planet and hunter asked tech do you think you can muster up some fake chain codes for us and tech replies given that i just learned about them right now <laughs> yeah give me a little bit i could probably do it so we see now tech has mastered the art of the fake chain code they're doing this deal meanwhile Omega and Echo are chilling by the ship, and Omega's bored, but she says she feels like something is off about this place. Now, Maze, I want to give credit to Ryan Airy, who does a great job on his YouTube channel. Ryan Airy has a theory, and I want to hear what you have to say about this. Ryan's theory is that Omega's Force-sensitive, and that she is of the same ilk as the Bad Batch in terms of cloned differently than the other, the regs. And we know every single Bad Batcher has a special ability in their altered DNA. Hers is the first fiddling around with midichlorians in a clone. Yeah, I buy that. That makes sense to me. I don't know how that will manifest, but it would track that she is special in a way. And how can you make someone special in the Star Wars galaxy for sensitivity? He brings up specific examples of her having like incredibly uncanny feel for the moment. Ah, uh, yes. The intangibles. Yep. 
This is another example of her displaying those intangibles. She's the Draymond Green of the Bad Batch. Oh, her force IQ off the charts. Force IQ through the roof. So she feels something's off about this space and starts snooping around. What does she see? A couple of droids torturing a Wookiee. Just out in the open. And so she says, leave him alone in that ridiculous accent. And the Wookiee looks up, and we see that one little fang, and we realize, oh, it's our good friend Gunji. Yeah, from the beginning of the story, the pizza delivery boy. Who is Gunji, you mean? Gunji is a Jedi Padawan Wookiee, which is a pretty rare thing, that was introduced in the Clone Wars in a story arc in which he and a bunch of other young Jedi Padawan reached the age of... Okay, now you get to go find your kyber crystal and create your lightsaber. If you didn't know, the Jedi Order, what they would do, they would go to this planet called Ilum, this huge ice planet that has crystals everywhere, all these kyber crystals. And the Jedi Padawan would go, and it's not just finding, oh, here's one on the ground. It's like, it has to speak to you. It has to call to you through the Force. It's literally your specific kyber crystal. And when you found that, then you would go with one of the old Jedi Masters and construct your own lightsaber. That's why every single lightsaber looks different because they are personalized, they're customized. It is a very intimate, personal thing that the Jedi went through. So Gunji was in this story arc with a bunch of other Padawan. They get kidnapped by some pirates led by Hondo Onaka, which I'm fairly certain sooner or later is going to pop up in this show. And hijinks ensue, et cetera, et cetera. But the really important thing to know here is that Gunji's lightsaber, because he is a Wookiee, and Wookiees, I would say like they are the Portland of the galaxy, right? They're very green conscious and one with nature, et cetera, et cetera. They eat granola. They drive Subaru Foresters. And so his lightsaber actually has a wooden hilt. Ah, nice touch. Very nice touch. Yeah, I like the thing from this episode where they say that the Wookiees believe that they live on the trees planet. Yes. And not the other way around. Well, I mean, the trees talk on Kashyyyk. We'll get to that in a bit. They're smuggling Gunji because he's got a huge bounty on his head, apparently. And I was wondering, Maze, like, while he's getting tortured, what took him so long to use the Force? Maybe he's, like, lost touch with the Force, but then... A little while later, there it is. He grabs his lightsaber via the Force. They escape this little space station. He's very standoffish towards the clones. He's roaring at them. When he's on the ship, he's in isolation. Omega can't figure out why. They have to explain her. He's got a little PTSD from a little thing called Order 66. And he sees clones and no shit, he doesn't trust us. But they assure him that they're different. They didn't follow Order 66. And I said, Gunji, you just going to believe him because they said that? (laughs) Come on, bro. Out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> this is like the Bernie Madoff thing where like the SEC was going to investigate. And the way they investigated was pick up the phone and call Bernie Madoff. Hey, Bernie, mm. are you cheating? Nah. All right, cool. <laughs> I believe you. And that was the investigation. He is speaking in the Wookiee language, which is called Shriwook. Hunter speaks Shriwook, although it's a bit rusty. Tech has, of course, some sort of gadget that translates everything. Via Tech and Hunter, he reveals his name, and he says he's trying to get back to Kashyyyk. Obviously, he left when he was a child, when they discovered he was Force-sensitive. They take these children, they take them to the Jedi Temple. They learn them the Force maze. They learn them the ways of the Jedi, but, of course, they never see their families again for the most part. So, no Jedi Order, 
the hell with it. I guess I should go back to Kashyyyk and go find my people. Omega says, yeah, we can take you back to Kashyyyk, which, again, you're not flying, and I'm pretty sure you're not pumping gas in this thing. I don't know how you're offering rides to people. And Wrecker mentions, man, it's been a while since we've been in Kashyyyk. Did a little research, Maze, and it turns out the original season seven of Clone Wars that was underway by Lucasfilm when Disney made the purchase was not yet completed. And so Disney canceled that season, which is why when we got the true final season, that was a big deal because Dave Filoni was like, we never got to end the show. The show ended abruptly in the middle. That's not what the intention was. But we do have the storyboards and rudimentary animations of what the stories were going to be. One of them was Boba Fett and Cad Bane. Oh, that sounds familiar. The Denton Boba Fett's helmet is from a shootout between Boba Fett and Cad Bane, and Cad Bane dented his helmet because he's such a great shot, like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. What can I say? I'm a great shot. <laughs> so that set up, of course, in Book of Boba Fett, the rematch to a shootout at the OK Corral that never happened originally because that was canceled. There's a bunch of other stories like that, but one of them is Yoda going to Kashyyyk to help the Wookiees fight Trandoshans who are working with the Separatists. When he goes to Kashyyyk, the unit that accompanies him is the Bad Batch. Of course, that episode was never made. Mm -hmm. So they kind of repurposed a lot of this to make this episode. The playoffs have started in basketball and hockey, and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste or less filling? For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com crate, C-R-A-T-E. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. In this episode of Bad Batch, they land on Kashyyyk, and they find out that on behalf of the Empire, the Trandoshans are torching the place and massacring Wookiees. Now, this is the part where I got to let you guys know, Wookiees and Trandoshans don't get along. Yeah, we talked about this on the Book of Boba Fett. Yes. Black Santin and his racism towards Trandoshans, rightfully so, mutual racism. Yes. Trandoshans are extremely racist, but so are Wookiees. But I feel like the Wookiees are a little justified. Given that Trandoshans not only look down on them, but they hunt them and they wear their pelts. Yeah. Trandoshans are awful. They're awful, which is something to bear in mind as we realize that the Bad Batch follow orders from Sid, and we've been warned about Sid. Mm. Hunter tells Gunji, keep that laser sword hidden. It draws attention we don't want. Again, this is another fun Easter egg. The original name for lightsabers in the original Star Wars script was going to be laser swords. Thankfully, they changed that name. But every once in a while, the term laser swords comes up, typically amongst people who are not familiar with the Jedi. Mm -hmm. They got these weird animals that, again, were part of a scrapped episode of Clone Wars. Yeah, those are some big spiders. Gunji uses the Force to make them calm down. Every Jedi has a different superpower within the Force. 
Gunji, Ezra Bridger from Rebels, they both can talk to animals. Some animals, at least. They can kind of mind control these animals. Anakin Skywalker did this as well in episode two, Attack of the Clones. But it never really came up again. So I don't know if, like, Darth Vader can do this or, you know, is this a light side of the Force type thing, whatever. They see that the tanks came through here. The Empire incinerated the village. The Trandoshans already have a Wookiee hostage who's wearing a breastplate that has the same markings as Chief Tarful has on his shoulder pads. Chief Tarful is like this great Wookiee warrior leader. You saw him in episode three, Revenge of the Sith. When Order 66 comes down, Yoda's on Kashyyyk and clones try to turn on him, but the Wookiees help him. And Tarful is the guy who's there as well as, of course, Chewbacca. Tarful also shows up in the video games Jedi Fallen Order for a nice little adventure with Saw Gerrera. Meanwhile, the clones find evidence of lightsaber marks, and now it's different. It's not just, hey, we're hunting Wookiees. We're hunting a Jedi. Drandoshan say, let me find him first, and puts out a hundred pelt bounty young Gunji's head because, of course, he is Force-sensitive, and they're out here trying to hunt down Jedi, as we know, in this post-Order 66 galaxy. So these Trandoshans, who are led by Commander Venomor, which is a good name, they're not in the Empire... But they're contractors? Mm-hmm. These are the shitballs that you hire to do jobs that you don't want to or don't have time to do. Uh, that's why many of them are bounty hunters, most famously, of course, Bosk, who we saw in Empire Strikes Back. The Trandoshan who puts out that bounty is wearing a Wookiee pelt, as he says this. So very barbaric people. There's some Mylea, big cat steeds that they're riding around on. Very Avatar. Yeah. They find a little village led by Yana, and they concoct a plan to fight back. They set a trap for the Trandoshans using the Kinrath spiders as part of their plan. They talk to the trees. The trees talk. They come up with the plan. They got to ask permission from the trees to run this plan. They are sentient beings. But also, let me just point out that Gunji is praying to the tree, but so is Omega. Yeah, Omega picks that up by the end of the episode. I'm like, yo, there's a little force sensitivity going on here. Or maybe she's just going granola and joining a Wookiee commune. Hunter points out they're kids, but they don't get to be kids, which is indicative of how crazy shit is in the Empire. These young people don't get to have a childhood in essence. I believe it's supposed to be comparable to what was happening in Vietnam, right? Where the generation of people were invaded and had awful, awful things happen to them in their country. And there's these children who basically had a lost childhood because they were all child soldiers or whatever. The blazing down, burning down things is also a callback to Vietnam, Agent Orange and all that. Also, did not know this, that's the Wookiee's biggest weakness is fire. Because they're covered in hair. Yeah, I was thinking of that. It's because they're very flammable. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a kryptonite situation. It's just that they're inclined to light on fire. I also enjoyed how Wrecker was really feeling at home. He was trying to do the Wookiee cries. He was beating on his chest. He was really enjoying the moonshine. Oh, they, yeah. They drink. Echo wasn't trying to have any of that. He's like, oh, you're bugging. <laughs> Pass that over here. He guzzled. He took it straight to the head. So he felt at home on Kashyyyk, which was nice. Good for you, Wrecker. 
But again, Maze, you see where I'm left with this kind of this feeling of emptiness. Unless now Gunji's going to start traveling with them. But I don't get that feeling. Yeah, it seems like they left him there. All right. Well, it was nice seeing you. And it reminds me somewhat, Maze, of Mandalorian Season 1, where he goes to a planet and things happen. And oh, I'm going to leave the kid here. Oh, couldn't leave the kid here. Something went wrong. And then we go. And we're introduced to these people. One planet we're introduced to, Cara Dune, right? One planet we're introduced to, Bill Burr, his character, Mayfeld. And then at some point, their stories intertwine back. Every episode of The Mandalorian, even though they were all standalone, they were all building off of what happened prior. I don't get this feeling here, man. I just don't get it. I think there just needs to be a couple more in the bank. A 16-episode season is a lot. They're front-loading it with these Mission of the Week episodes. It seemed like after the Crosshair episode all right, we've established everything and now we can get going. But yes, they are treading water in a sense. I think that you will see some continuity for the rest of the season, but I thought this episode at least reintroduced a character from the canon, gave us a Jedi, another person that survived Order 66, and who doesn't love a Wookiee? Yeah, Gunji was one of the more popular characters in Clone Wars. Despite not appearing in a great many episodes, but he appeared enough where people like really took a liking to him. That's cool. I want to transition here, Maze, at the end of the show, for a couple other news and tidbits from around the Star Wars universe. One that was just announced as of our recording on Thursday. Volume 2 of Star Wars Visions is streams on May 4th, featuring nine new animated shorts from nine studios from across the globe. Now, Star Wars Visions is the non-canon animated shorts that they released a year ago, or actually two years ago, it's 2021, where they let like these animation studios from Japan think up of a Star Wars story that is completely outside of everything and have fun with it. It's not canon, so you can do what you want with it. I enjoyed it greatly, Maze. I don't know if you got to see Star Wars Visions. I did not. It was extremely well done. The animation, the storytelling, the characters. Each one is a standalone story. Each one is about 15 minutes long or so, but definitely worth a watch. It's not canon, so you don't have to worry about, do I have to know who this person is? You won't know anybody. You're just there for a cool story of Jedi and Sith and stuff like that. The quote from James Waugh, Star Wars Visions executive producer and senior VP of franchise content strategy at Lucasfilm is, the reaction to the first volume of Star Wars Visions blew us away. We were delighted that this project inspired and resonated with so many people. We saw Visions as a framework for celebratory expressions of the franchise from some of the best creators working today. Volume one, it was all people from Japan's anime industry. But with volume two now, this is from all over the world. So... You've got El Giri from Spain, Cartoon Saloon from Ireland, Punk Robot from Chile, Ardman from the UK, Studio Mir from South Korea, Studio La Cachette from France, 88 Pictures from India, Diart Shitagio from Japan, and Triggerfish from South Africa. So it's going to be interesting to see, Maze, not only what stories they come up with, but how these stories differ from different storytelling perspectives from around the world. Again, volume one was very anime heavy because these were anime studios that were doing it. But I'm curious to see, for instance, 
what the Indian-produced episode is going to be like, what the South African-produced episode is going to be like. Very exciting. It's nice. It's quick. It's an easy watch. Go ahead and check it out. The other piece of news, Maze, is Jedi Survivor, the sequel to Star Wars Fallen Order, the video game I've been waiting literally for years for. Has been pushed back. Well, you gotta wait a little bit longer, I mean. You gotta wait a little bit longer. This is from EA Star Wars, the official account. And they say Star Wars Jedi Survivor now arrives on April 28th. The press release says, for the last three years, the Jedi team here at Respawn has poured its collective heart and soul into Jedi Survivor. And we are proud to say the next chapter in the tale of Cal Kestis is content complete. Damn, they just got done. We are now focused entirely on the final stage, bug fixes to enhance performance, stability, polish, and most importantly, the player experience. Jedi Survivor is a direct response to the feedback from our community, delivering expansive destinations to explore, evolved combat, and traversal, and of course, the continuation of Cal Kestis' and BD's story. Maze, I will strongly suggest to you to play the game, Fallen Order. For the storytelling, for plot development, for the character development, but also because when this shit dropped, I'm going to be playing this and I, I'm going to be talking about it a lot. Definitely a fun, fun time to be a Star Wars fan, unless you're watching the show. Oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Say it again. I didn't flip the thing up fast enough. <laughs> Any closing thoughts, Maze, for you? Gungi sounds like a Gungan. Yeah. That stuck in my head for whatever reason. I guess Wookiee is already the cute name for Wookiee, so you can't make it cuter, but felt like a Jar Jar situation. I'm constantly reminded that Wookiee and Ewok are so close to one another. Oh, they're so close. Because the original plan for Return of the Jedi was that it was going to be Kashyyyk. Oh. And it was the Wookiees that were going to lead the uprising. But George Lucas decided that Wookiees were too technologically advanced okay. to be the primitive society. He needed a primitive society to help topple this technological terror that was the Empire with the Death Star. So It wasn't the cutesiness that factored into that. Well, that's the part where they're like, we're going to create a primitive society. I mean, we might as well make them cute. Might as well make a bunch of fighting teddy bears. And sell a bunch of merch laugh about it that's how we got ewoks they basically took the e at the end of wookie and put it at the front shrunk some wookies to teddy bear size and voila there you have it and there you have this episode of rule of two i remind you that if you're a jedi you're not safe anywhere especially on this podcast Playoffs have started in basketball and hockey, and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. 
Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste or less filling? For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com crate, C-R-A-T-E. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.